I'm Deesha Filyaw, and I'm the author of The Secret Lives of Church Ladies, a collection of nine stories about Black women, sex, and the Black church. My name is Jerry Craft. I'm the author and the illustrator of the graphic novels New Kid and Class Act. My name is Ann Winter, and I am an author of children's books. I live in Austin, Texas. Hi everyone, um, thank you Gary so much for having me on. This is a huge pleasure. My name is Andre Fenton. I'm a young adult author and poet, spoken word artist from Halifax, Nova Scotia. Hi Gary, thank you so much. Um, I am Andrea Wang. I write books for kids and most recently uh, my picture book, Watercress, and my debut middle grade novel, The Many. It's personal. Everyone to another episode of It's Personal. I am always excited for my guests. Um, this time my guest is actually in a place in the world that is very comfortable for me because I don't have to like wake up super early or stay up really late at night. So this is a perfect time for me. <laughs> um, can you introduce yourself? Uh, sure thing. Uh, my name is Erika Mesa and uh, I'm a children's author and illustrator from Mexico. Uh, but yeah, in Mexico, they would be asleep right now, whereas I'm in the freaking UK. And uh, it's, you know, nine, 10 in the morning, so it's, it's perfect. Um, it was fun That's to awesome. figure out the, the, the time zones, I have to say. It was fun to just go like, no, wait, so if he's here, but then she's going to be like, that was fun. It was. You know what the funny thing is? You being in London um, was easier than like all of them. People who live in, like I'm Canadian, so I know the Canadian time zones pretty well just because I've spent a lot of time there. But like people who are in America for me, I always mess up the time zone all the time just based on East Coast, West Coast, and I like I just don't even know. So they'll send me times and they'll say it's like Central Time or like Atlantic, like I just, I know I should know, but my brain just does not work that way. <laughs> it's been so hard. <laughs> but Erica, your, you have been, yours has been easy. So I appreciate you a lot. Hurrah. <laughs> very, very happy to hear that. So I, I want to really get into just like who you are outside of the writing. Um, but I am also very curious about just like your, um, your journey in illustrating and writing uh, for kids as well. So let's start, I always like to do this, but like, let's start way back, you know, yeah. and you can go as far back as you want to. Um, did you always feel like you're going to be an illustrator or writer growing up? Jesus, no. I mean, this is going to be a very funny, uh, I hope my psychologist never hears this. <laughs> Because then she'll dissect it, like, ooh, ooh, more information for me to have. Um, but basically, uh, I think in retrospect, I would have to answer yes to that question. Because one of my first, like, my dad will not shut up about it. One of my first memories is uh, I got very bored in a restaurant uh, my parents were dining at, and my mom would basically set up little tasks for me to do and so she grabbed a pack of um napkins gave them to me napkins as in you know tissue as in not mm -hmm. you know, diapers um mm -hmm. grabbed them all gave them to me 
and she was just like here just you know do some drawing or something there were you know the usual crayons that they give you on the on the table and uh, and I proceeded to fold them and turn them into a little bound book on whilst on the table about the girl that was always in restaurants because she had no parents and was so poor that the restaurants gave her food and I was just like wow. you know like I wish my mom had kept it it's such a silly thing to be writing about but there was always that urge of kind of entertaining myself because my both of my parents worked which meant that our childhood and when I say ours I mean mine and my brothers uh you know we had to make do with playing in a corner of the office or of the uh, warehouse or of the whatever they were working at the time to not interrupt the grown-ups. So it was always very quiet games and, you know, kind of with what you had at your disposal and what do you have? You have office supplies. So, yeah, so the drawing and the writing and the kind of the creating worlds to entertain yourself was always there. But I didn't have the notion of anyone writing or illustrating for a living. I didn't know that uh, was a thing. Wow. And I didn't know wow. that until I was like 19, I think. Wow. 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 And what, 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 like, how did you know, like, how did you get to that, um, that place? Did you see something? Did someone tell you? Um, how did you know yeah. that that's, you could do that for a living? Um, I, we, in one of the many moves we had, we moved to uh, Tijuana in the border with the US and we were very close to San Diego. And quite literally, this is what happened. Um, I went to San Diego Comic-Con for the first time. Mm. Oh, that would do it. it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There's loads of people there. Um, And I was already in graphic design school, but my aim was to go for animation and, uh, I was basically just doing anything that was remotely creative on our side of the border. And then all of a sudden it was just like, oh, hang on, this, like, you don't need a team for this. Like, it's just you. This seems a little bit more doable. I don't need a visa for this. So it's all of a sudden, you know, switch gears. Wow. I love that because for one, I love how your story began. Um, I think there's, I always tend to believe there is beauty within um, the hard stuff and like listening to you talk about that experience specifically with like a napkin and drawing, like I think for a lot of kids, there's so much hope there, though you have so little. I love hearing that so much. I I wonder, I guess my next question for you is like once you got to um, Comic-Con, like what like things started clicking for you? Like what was your next steps after that and why? Um, I will admit I ended up going to Comic-Con religiously once a year just so that I could, <laughs> the word is harass people um, <laughs> who were like stalk them quite literally. People who, who were already like artists and uh, you know, they were already there. Like people like Pascal Campion gave me loads of time. Uh, people like mm-hmm. Bobby Chiu and K.S. Vera. And I would, be, would basically come with my, like, I've seen them now in my last visit to my mom's house. And I would print myself, like, little portfolios that I could carry in my pocket. They were mm-hmm. so bad. <laughs> they were so, so bad. But I would still come and be like, well, like, I'm, I'm a student and I'm learning. And they would give me feedback and whatnot. So basically, I would kind of give it 
because we, we weren't learning that kind of stuff at school. We were learning, you know, how to make corporate logos and um, mm-hmm. advertising campaigns and, you know, graphic design stuff. So I would look at it as, okay, I have a year to become better for next time for when I come and, and hunt them down again. I've got a year to learn as much as I possibly can um, on like internet resources, or then I would also take some external workshops with um, with mm-hmm. uh, Charles Glauwitz, who was who's an illustrator based in in Tijuana, but works with the U.S. in editorial illustration. So you know, I'd, I'd come by and I'd sit there and I'd be basically watching him work and then working on my own stuff. So mm-hmm. it was it was a process that uh, luckily took me eventually to grab a scholarship to study in Paris, uh, mm. which was brilliant because it was two people in the country that got it for this partnership they had with the school in, uh, wow. in Paris. To st- and you could choose literally anything to study at, like it could be costume, uh, uh, animation, it could be like anything. And funnily enough, the two people that were selected that year were both going for illustration and uh, the other people had the other person had a very funny name which was very easy to google which was uh, Flavia Drago uh, she's the one mm-hmm. the author of uh, Gustavo the Shy Ghost mm-hmm. um, and basically like at the time I didn't know who she was and I just googled her and went oh hi I'm the other one who who got it would you like to live together because that way we're going to save some money and she was just like oh Hello, random person. I've, tr- I've been trying to meet you. Um, sure, why not? So, wow. so yes, yeah, so we moved. We both moved to Paris to get this thing started. But uh, I, she was taking some French lessons in Mexico City, where she's from, and there wasn't many good French lessons in Tijuana other than uh, some like dodgy classes and some very expensive courses in the uh, French Alliance. And so I figured, hmm, what if I take the money I've got and I just go to Paris for a year and and I just learn it there. And I was just like, yeah, wow. that sounds like a good idea. Cool, let's do that. So I did wow. that, uh, which was hilarious because I had never lived on my own. Like I had been in a very sort of sheltered, uh-huh. patriarchal situation. Sure. Um, so, you know, to, 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 just to like throw pointers at you, but not tell you like everything. Um, mm-hmm. Like I was, sleep- you know, the usual, like sleeping on a couch and uh, uh, stealing uh-huh. groceries. Just surviving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like babysitting yeah, and, but like, I, I saw it like, oh, it's my bohemian artist's life, but in the 21st century, <laughs> which means looking far less glamorous and just kind of like, I don't know, longing for a euro so that you can buy a pan of chocolate, you know, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah, so that that basically meant that by the time that we started uh, school, which was only a year in NSAD, um, I was pretty darn fluent in French, which was a bit of an asset to try wow. and and that was the idea to try and learn as much as I could and. You know, from mm-hmm. there, I grabbed my first agent. I managed to stay in the city and I just started uh, working, then swapped agents. And then all of a sudden, bam, like at, at that point, as soon as I swapped, it was kind of like all of those things that had been 
gestating suddenly started paying mm -hmm. off. And cool. nevertheless, I still feel a rush whenever I buy myself a pan of chocolate. And it's just like, oh, little luxury. Wow. wow, that is such a cool story. Such a cool it's story. Been... Just to get a journey. It's been a journey. Yeah, it's quite literally, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Across across continents and across cities. Yeah. And, wow. And navigating and bureaucracy on the side. And and that's exactly what I was gonna ask you next. It's like when you once you got out of your bubble, so to speak, like what were some of the challenges you had, like leaving home and then being in this world that I'm assuming didn't really expect to see anyone like you here, like someone like you, like what was that feeling, like initial feeling like? Well, I got very, very, very lucky, I think, on that front, because mm -hmm. without knowing very quickly, there was a support group being set up. Um, awesome. like I, I, I grabbed, like I, I crashed with a, with a random stranger on couch surfing and I was just like, hi, I just need a couch for like a few days. And, uh, Paul, he ended up becoming like my brother, like, you know, he's truly like mm -hmm. seriously my brother. Um, and like my best friend for like, since 10 years now. Mm -hmm. And wow. he was, you know, someone who was very open-minded and very sort of, uh, he had traveled a lot. So he was very curious about the culture. He was very curious about, uh, also he was very critical of his own. So he could kind of uh, be very sympathetic whenever I experienced any cultural shock and be mm -hmm. able to just like walk me through it. And then, uh, through the same website, through Couchsurfing as well, I found a couch that I could literally rent so that I could live there. And that took me to the north of Paris in an area called um, uh, Stalingrad, where it's basically a lot of, it was so funny because I got out and I felt like I was in Mexico City. I got out of the metro and it was just like, okay, this feels familiar because there was loads of people uh, from various African backgrounds loads of people mm -hmm. from various Islamic backgrounds as well, uh, from the Caribbean, from, uh, there was also a synagogue, so there was a very strong Jewish presence. Like all of a sudden it wasn't mm -hmm. France, it but rather kind of a woven tapestry of culture, so I didn't wow. feel out of place. It's awesome, that's awesome. That was brilliant, that was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So basically it meant that everybody was kind of welcome and also that I could just get into any uh, random shop and find stuff that were vaguely familiar, like tamarinds or guavas uh, mm -hmm. that, mind you, didn't taste like anything, but you know, <laughs> you, you're not picking them for the tree anymore. Personal. Personal. It, it sounds like people are they're literally they're probably going through similar things the similar things that you are going through so it just makes it so much easier when you know that the person next to you is feeling the exact same way or kind of somewhat understanding what you're going through that's what it sounds like absolutely absolutely and not just that but i think that anywhere else in paris and the city i'm in i I stood up and I mean that quite literally because everybody was wearing like very chic 
black coats mm -hmm. and very chic black ensembles or, or blue like navy or taupe and that kind of stuff and I'm there in a yellow coat like canary yellow like quite literally standing out in the in, in the sea of uh, of, of black um so anywhere else I felt like I was being stared at or like I was, you know, I was, I was in the spotlight almost, whereas uh, whenever I got home, like to my flat, it was fine. Everybody kind of looked sort of weird and sort of different and then it was okay. Mm -hmm. Which mm -hmm. funny enough is what, one, of, one of my, one of the many, many reasons why I'm like, so adamant about the whole representation thing because in the US it's very obvious that I'm Latin but then in the UK like even people close to me kind of go yeah but you're like white presenting and it's just like yeah but there's still something about not belonging to a place that makes you feel kind of different or not being seen or not like it, it's something I lived in the flesh quite literally so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I guess it's why mm -hmm. I feel so strongly about it. I, I'm wondering more, now that you say that, I'm wondering more about your experience like in the author world and what that looks like for you um, in regards to the people that you've talked to, the kids that you've talked to, the schools that you've talked to, and maybe not so much in the past, I don't know, but even with like all the stuff that's happening now in regards to, you know, like not having certain schools, certain districts, not wanting having, not wanting certain books or certain authors um, to be represented in those those places. So I'm curious, has that affected you in any way? Um, and if so, um, how? And, and, and I think it's a hard question, but I, I think I, I wonder all this again, again, because I know the space is I know there was one point maybe like two years ago where like they were like yes we need all this representation we need all these different books and I was kind of like now we don't need them anymore it's like it's really yeah. bizarre to me <laughs> there's there's uh there's always a reaction to any kind of like any any sort of progress in society always goes kind of like one step forward two steps backward and then two steps forward and then one step backwards mm -hmm. there's always, always like a, a like a rebound I think we're feeling that rebound now from, you know, two years ago when it was sort of kind of like, I, I, I don't want to say the fashionable thing to do, but I guess for some people it was, and for others it was generally. Yeah, it was. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah it, like it was kind of what was dominating the conversation. I have to admit that for me, it's always been very funny because I kind of live in limbo. I've got one foot, I, I think I'm more like a spider because I've got loads of foots everywhere. I've got, uh, I've got one foot in the US and I've got one foot in the European market. But even within the European market, then there's like weird different divisions in between, for instance, the French market and the UK market. And in the American one, it's different from the US to how things are perceived in Mexico and to how things are perceived in the, in the Canada. That being said, I felt that rebound in all fronts. Like I felt mm -hmm. that that sort of resistance appearing everywhere again, and it hasn't affected me yet. As in, like my own books, I I haven't had any kind of repercussions to my books, but it has sent, certainly made me feel less encouraged to speak up in certain circles when it comes like before I would be very 
how can I put it? There came a point where I decided, you know what, screw it, you're Mexican and not just Mexican, you're from the north of Mexico. And we're very upfront mm-hmm. and we're very kind of blunt. So it's just like, screw that, let's just do it in any language. Like, let's just mm-hmm. be who you are, no matter the mm-hmm. social context. Whereas I feel like now I'm getting back to that. Remember, the British are quiet and that they do not like to be challenged. Just remember to smile and to just like nod a lot, you know, mm-hmm. in the sense that uh, before I would try to push my you know my views or my culture into the book like i've 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 had had to try for example to be like okay so we're going to the park and i'm going to be drawing a park let's make the park a little bit broken as well because there was something fun about the the swing that didn't have uh, a board that you could swing on and it only had the chains and then you could grab the chains and just play like you were tarzan or something so i would i would want it to make a little bit you know closer to what I knew Mm -hmm. and then they would come by and be like oh actually do you mind like cleaning this up so that it's actually like in 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 a good state because we don't want kids to learn that it can be broken like we want them to take care of it and I'm like I hear that but like there's kids who play with the chains and I really want to draw like these kids in the background playing with the chains and they would so in the past I would try and confront it and I would be like, no, but I'm going to draw some change. And now, mm-hmm. um, given the current mood, I think I would be more like, well, yes, all right. Let's just, you know, clean it up and make wow. it very clean. And very... I think wow. that there's, yeah, like, I don't know. It's a I lot think of it, pressure. It, it, yeah. And I think it, it, it becomes very obvious the people that you can talk to and the people that you that you maybe should be a little bit more not cautious but guarded with like uh, I know that I have some editors who are just brilliant and supportive and they care very much about the research and the experience behind and they care very much about you know for instance like the Coquila team with this book we did of Mighty Border Towns um, there was a spread where I drew a family of refugee children from uh, Central America and the first version was what I called very UK sanitized because they were in the camp and they're waiting to cross to the US and uh, this the main character comes by gives them some gifts and they're all like they were all smiling and kind of engaging with the toys and whatnot you know it was a very sweet kind of scene and then they went back to me and went well a lot of these kids would probably be very affected. They would probably be carrying a lot of traumas. And sure, some of them may be very happy to be able to play with this kind of thing, but maybe others are also very uh, unable to engage. And and I was just like, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I can't believe you're actually pushing me to do this, but let's do it, you know, like because mm-hmm. it is what's reality. So that's exactly what i was gonna say yes that's the point that is exactly your point (laughs) exactly what you're trying to do and show and have conversation about so that is yes that is really good purposeful work 100 percent. yes 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 yeah wow it's not it's not i'm just gonna say it's not all bad i think there's still some really good people doing some amazing work it's just Mm -hmm. you know i think we're just gonna have to 
keep persisting. Yeah. And I think that's what it is. Really complicated and such an unfortunate time, specifically for, for writers and creators, because they are now having to grapple with these ideas about whether or not they should really be their true self, which is like, again, just crazy for me to even think about or even like say those words, but like, should I be my true self in this work that I do? What are the, what are the consequences going to be? Right. And that's really, really shitty. (laughs) Really. Right. Yeah. (laughs) That's unfortunate. Whether we could say bad words in this podcast. (laughs) You're fine. You are fine. (laughs) But I, I hear you. I totally hear you. And I've heard people talk about those same thoughts based on what's happening in in the world in general not just in the in in america like a lot of a lot of places are having conversations um i think america is just because of who they are they we see their media the most we see their posts the most online i think i always tell people like canada in general is there's lots of racism there there's lots of microaggressions there just no one talks about it like it's always swept under the rug there's things that happen all the time all the time, but it's always swept under the wrong. There's this very subtle, like racism that's happening that they don't talk about, right? Um, it's not in the news all the time. So, um, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm happy that we went there. I'm, and I'm, I'm just sorry that you, that as a, as a creator, that you're, you're going through that, that process. No, hard. no, no. I mean, don't, don't, don't be, don't be. I think it's, you know, we're all, we're all going through it's a, a similar version of it at the moment. And uh, you know, I'm 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 hyper aware of the problem, particularly with you know the views that we've got in on migration and uh, you know critical race theory and all of these things um, because mm-hmm. <laughs> they will be affecting me soon. It's one of those things yeah. where um, <laughs> you you you're kind of you you thought ahead of okay, this is going to get published in 2023 things should be fine then. And now it's kind of mm-hmm. like, oh God, can you stop please? Because 2023 is coming. Um, I so I, d- I don't think I can talk about this much. So it's going to be very frustrating, but there's this one book that's coming up as an author illustrator for 2023 uh, that will touch on subjects such as this, not on a very specific way, but it'll definitely be about that. And, you know, like I'm basically kind of, I'm starting to program myself for any potential backlash that I may personally experience. But it's so funny how Mm -hmm. it's kind of, obviously nobody knows about it. I'm the only one who knows about it. And I'm the only one who, Mm -hmm. well, can my team. And I'm the only one who's kind of, you know, seeing it coming. If you see what I mean so I'm trying to keep an eye on everything anytime it's it's such an I don't know it's such an important thing to also take a stand and to also kind of let your voice be heard I agree that's exactly what I was going to say and I think you are so brave I think you are so resilient I think like though you are you are willing to accept the consequences, and I say consequences, but I don't think they're consequences, but kind of, right? Like I, I, I say that, but 
at the same time, I believe that I, I truly believe that the work that you are doing is going to allow people to see, hear a story and understand the story and get different perspectives on things because there's just, and we keep saying it over and over again, but there's still not enough books out there about situations like that or yeah. people like you or people like there's still like, there's still not enough. But I would say just to balance it out, you know, to or even balance totally, hundred percent, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just basically to kind of to, to to sort it so that it's kind of you know, not a trip to to you know, so that it doesn't become a task to find a book where like if I ever had a kid, that it doesn't become daunting. A oh god, she needs a costume but all the princesses are, which is something that we would go through when I was little, where you would have mm -hmm. a, like, a, I don't know, like a costume party and everybody's dressing like their favorite characters. And you're kind of thinking, oh God, yes, but like my hair isn't blonde, like this character here, or I'm mm -hmm. not red haired like this one over there. And gosh, okay, so I've got this one, but I don't look the part, you know, like mm -hmm. it's, it should just become totally. easy to be like, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that, like, you know, it's, yeah yeah and i think that's that's the goal right that kids yeah. in the classroom kids at home like they have the options more options right um when they go to the bookstore there's more options that look like yeah. them. like they don't have to really go digging to, to find the books that have their experiences that have the texture of their hair that have the color like all those things they don't have to, to go through so many loopholes to, to find yeah. those books but i'm that makes me sad I, i'm so excited i don't know what the book is about but i have an idea in my head now <laughs> i don't know what i don't know exactly but i have an idea and i'm super excited about it um erica where can people find you online so uh on twitter is the place where i haunt the most to be very honest so if, you, if uh on twitter i'm with uh, at erica draws and erica's with a k and it's the same on Instagram, but on Instagram, I rarely post anything. I do share loads of stories because I like the fact that they go away. So I get to like show stuff behind the scenes and not get reprimanded. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, those two are the ones that I haunt. And- uh, Awesome. And you'd mentioned it before. Um, for those of you who don't know, what are some of the books that you have out currently? And then if you can, if there's other things that you're working on that you can share, feel free to. <laughs> You've already kind of mentioned a little bit. <laughs> um, okay, so at the moment, out at the moment, there's uh, My Two Border Towns written by David Bowles, which is like, I think it's one of the books that I've been most proud of so far. Then there's, uh, in the US, it was called um, Balloons for Papa. Um, and it's written by Liz Bedia. Uh, and in the UK, it was called Arthur Wants a Balloon. And then I've got Secret Book Number One, Secret Book Number Two. And then I've got, <laughs> and I'm working on uh, a couple of more books at the moment. So it, it, life's been wow. good. It, life's been good. Life's been good. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that's amazing. And I love that you're busy because I know that sometimes, you know, work doesn't come sometimes, right? Um, yeah, and, uh, it's a curse of the freelancer, I think. You tend to say yes to anything that comes your way just in case, you know, it doesn't. 
It doesn't. Yeah. And I think authors have told me that as well. It's like, well, it's not like a teacher contract where you sign up for two years and then you can sign for another two years. It's like, once you finish that book, like you that should book have is the other one finished. <laughs> exactly. So it's very, yeah. very different. What I've ended up doing is once I've finished that book, I've already got three that I can possibly pitch because I know that mm -hmm. two of them are never going to fly. So it's just like, mm -hmm. okay, let's have three just in case so that we can get yes. the other one going. That's good advice, especially for me as a, a new author, I think. Yeah, you always, for me, again, coming in, obviously what happened was they liked the first manuscript. So that manuscript took forever to like complete and to like, I felt it was good to share. But now it's like I'm working on the second book and I haven't really had that time. So yes. for me, it's like I'm feeling anxious. I don't love it, but I have to send it to my editor because I just need help <laughs> in general. Yeah. Um, but I know exactly what you mean by that. Yeah. Yeah. But the amazing yeah. thing about that, I will say, is that when you do the first one, sure, you get to, and I'm a perfectionist, like I, I suffer from that massively. And you have that time, you have that luxury of just finessing and playing with it and exploring the world 100%. and knowing it by heart. And then once you actually got for the second one, I think the thing that helped me, hopefully it'll help you or anyone, is it to kind of get that reassurance of, yes, but this time you've got a team and this time you're not on your own. So, 100%. you know, 100%. You, you can let them in to help. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think when you have someone, someone, like you said, a team of people who are rooting for you, it does make things easy. It makes you, it makes you feel a lot less stressed out knowing you have someone on the other side to, to help you, for sure. I 100% agree. Erica, thank you. This was so much fun. And I mean, again, I knew that I was not going to get through any of the questions besides the first one. <laughs> <laughs> Which was awesome.